Welcome to Rookie Designer. My name is Jake from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with my co-host, Carl, from Holy Carp Design. Good morning, Carl. How's it going, Jake? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. As you know, we've been all running a little late this week. We've uh, decided to record this episode actually on Saturday today, which is not our typical day to record. No, no, it's not, but I'm perfectly fine with that. It's... uh been raining here a lot so not running out to do anything too exciting this weekend yeah it's it's amazing that we've been getting slammed lately and uh i actually want to call back to last week uh something that tawny had mentioned about just being a presence on on social medias and you know just kind of having this relentless um presence on on the social media and letting people know how you what you do and how you do it and building your brand. I've gotten three local inquiries, just people from high school or from my community that realize and understand that I'm a designer. They knew it in the back of their mind, but now it's at the forefront of their mind because I'm posting rookie designer every week now. Yeah. And I think if you do things like that, it actually reminds them what you do because it's very easy for people to, to know what you do, but kind of have it in the back of their mind and not really, remember that you do it and I know I've talked about clients in the past where I've done a project for them and it's been a couple weeks since I've had contact with them and then I walk in their office and they have a similar project done by somebody else and part of that's my fault for not being in front of them and not reminding them that I do all print design not just a certain product in print design so it's the same thing with Facebook if you don't put stuff out there people tend to forget what you do only because they're not reminded. And that's really what social media is about. Social media is about brand recognition and and putting your brand in front of people on a regular basis so that they do have you in the forefront of their mind when they want to do something. Right. And it's the whole thing of even just being an entrepreneur and just being able to talk about what you do, both social media and also in real life. Um, you know, get out there in public, do some of your work in public spaces, like in the coffee shops and whatnot, and have your elevator pitch to kind of talk to people about what you do. And it helps. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. So let's jump right into design news. So you have some interesting news about Photoshop. Sure. So based on the idea of kind of working in public, you know, a lot of people have this iPad, but they don't, they have iPads and droids, but they don't have the ability to do the design work, you know, as, you know, powerfully as they can on a laptop. So um, companies like Affinity um, have come out with Affinity Photo, which is this Photoshop program that works on an iPad. And uh, Adobe's been back behind the ball, eight ball on this one because they have these small little unique apps that do little things that are similar to design, uh, Illustrator and Photoshop. But now they've announced that Photoshop is coming to the uh, iPads in full next year. Yeah, I find it kind of interesting because they do have, like you said, they have some apps that kind of do parts of what Photoshop does. Like they have one that's called Mix that kind of helps you mix photos together. They have Fix that helps you edit a little bit. And then they have Lightroom, which is a Photoshop-esque app. And they have things like that, but they don't have a full version of Photoshop for the iPad. Now, 
I don't use Photoshop to the full extent of the app. I don't. I very think very few people do because there is so much in it. But I think it's going to be really tough for them to bring all of that power to the iPad. There are so many things that Photoshop could do. Is I just I can't see where they're going to be able to bring everything over. I still think it's going to be a scaled down version of Photoshop. Now, I could be wrong, especially when you look at things like you said, Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer, that they're so robust for the, the iPad. It'll be interesting to see if they look at that and say, well, I guess we need to put more in and actually make it as close to the full version, if not the full version of Photoshop for the iPad. I don't know that it can be done. I'm really interested to see. It says here that they're going to make the announcement in October, which rumors are flying. That's going to be at the Adobe Max conference that they'll make that announcement, which kind of makes sense. And then the app will be released sometime in 2019. So that gives them quite a long time to figure out how to do this. Now, are we going to see a more powerful iPad in the meantime that could add more power to allow them to do more with the Photoshop side. So I'm sure they're working with Apple to see what the next version of iPad will be to see if there's things that they could port over. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it, but I'm really skeptical. I really am. Well, I'm wondering if they're trying to do a ground-up build rebuild because if you look at the resources these apps use on your computer, uh, both Illustrator and Photoshop are memory hogs and resource hogs. Perhaps they're cleaning up their code. Maybe they're even scaling back some of the tools that aren't used as much, um, like the 3D selection tool and some of these other pieces that are just kind of extensions that have been added into the main program. Maybe they scale that back. I mean, there are professionals still using CS2, CS5, and whatnot, and they get by just fine. They just can't do some of the stuff as quickly as people on Creative Cloud do. Yeah, and that's where I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see, especially for the first one, I would think we'd see maybe a full version that is is scaled back a little bit, that doesn't have the power. Now, the other thing I'm concerned about, and I know this was addressed with Affinity, is, okay, I do something on my iPad. How do I now get that to my desktop or my, my uh, laptop? Now, obviously, Creative Cloud's going to give you cloud storage to be able to do that but are the files going to transfer is it going to be a .psd file or right. is it going to be a .tiff file that transfers well into the into the desktop or laptop version and am i going to be able to go the other way where i start something on my laptop or my desktop and i want to open it on my ipad when i'm just sitting on the couch and i want to play with it a little bit am i going to be able to do that that's going to be the real key, because if they can make that happen, that'll be pretty cool because you'll have that option. Yeah, some thoughts I have. I'm wondering if we can get um, uh, synchronous uh, editing capability, kind of like with Google Docs. I'm also curious, like they already do casting to device with Adobe Sketch and whatnot, so they have some yeah. of that technology. But these are larger files, so who knows? Uh, and then finally, is this going to be beta tested within the Creative Cloud subscription fee? And how are they going to charge for this? Is this part of my Creative Cloud license? Yeah, I know. That's always the concern is when they add these. Now, when they add these, is my subscription going to go up? And I think 
they've been very careful to say, well, no, the whole idea of the subscription is to be able to give you these tools and and take tools away. Like we talked about early on when we started back up, that Muse was going to be discontinued in a few years. I think that's kind of the way the subscription is going to work is we're going to give it to you and we're going to take it away. We'll take away the tools that we don't feel are being used by the majority of people, but we'll give you new tools to replace things like that. And so I think, and obviously we're all going to see a subscription go up eventually, but I think that back and forth as far as what we get for it, it'll be interesting to see. Because I can't see where they're going to come out and say, okay, now we're going to charge you separately for the iPad Photoshop app. That would be crazy, unless you're not a cloud subscriber. It actually went up this year already. I think it went up like 3 or $4 a month. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to see that. Everything's doing that. I mean, Netflix yeah. is doing that. So it, it's going to happen. It's just part of the way that works. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this is. We'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. We'll Obviously, in October, we'll have more information once they make the announcement. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think Sarah, the company that owns Affinity, has definitely stepped up to the plate and said, hey, Adobe, get your act together and get this stuff on the iPad in a more powerful way. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, I've got a news item that is really, really bizarre, but I had to share this. I heard this actually on another podcast that I listened to, and here it is. A Japanese company uses armpit advertising to one-up the competition. Yes, you heard that right. Armpit. They're actually putting ads in women's armpits. I don't know why, but they're doing it. And it's it's Japan. Japan is known for having some very bizarre advertising techniques that they've used in the past. But the best part is the name of the company is Wackino Ad Company. I think that's how you say it. The word wacky, W-A-K-I, happens to actually mean armpit in Japanese. <laughs> so what they're doing is is they're actually putting like almost like newspaper size ads on a woman's armpit and they already have a client that's the best part the client is bio clinic it's the sension bio clinic which actually offers painless underarm hair removal procedures i guess it makes sense for them to advertise on somebody's armpit now the picture they show is a woman holding on to what would I would assume would be something on a subway. So obviously her arm is up. But when they sign a contract, the rest of the time, do they have to walk around with their arms up in the air? Like, how, how does this work? Like, I just, it's the most bizarre thing. It's... it's... <laughs> Alright, I get the provocative idea of, you know, this is an area that is not typically, you know, celebrated, I guess. <laughs> but it's just a temporary tattoo. We can put this on our forehead. We can put this on our arm. It doesn't have to be under it. <laughs> I know, but that's what makes it so bizarre. It's like, well, yeah, there's people that get tattoos as advertising, like temporary or not. But why the armpit? Like, again, and I always say this about these things. I 
always want to be the guy in the conference room that is there when they have this conversation to see if anybody sat there and went, really? Is this a good idea? Yeah. Okay. But somehow somebody got this through. Someone was really high and said, I have an idea. Uh, Let's crowdsource it. I I just love the fact that the name is actually Wacky, which is armpit in Japanese. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. And and the fact that they already have a client. I mean, that's brilliant. So apparently somebody thought it was a good idea. So I will will put a link to this as well as the Photoshop story in the show notes so you can see how bizarre this is. You can find the show notes at rookiedesigner.com slash rd170 for episode 170. Nice. We're up to 170? Yes, That's great. we are. Wow. So now that we talked about this bizarre use of design, let's jump into today's topic. What are we going to discuss? We're going back to, and we may have discussed this a little bit before, but um, this is the idea of schools versus the school of hard knocks um over in resourceful designer there's a discussion that kind of has blown up this morning um you know someone wanted to join a forum with experienced designers so people are like and they raise the issue of within the usa you can just decide to be a graphic designer with no school or training and yes we are not a licensed field we don't need licenses for our professional practice um it's not like we're building buildings and people are dying because of you know uh systems failure right so before we get into it why, why don't you explain so you you are school taught you yeah went so to let, school for design let's give a quick um background for both of us i uh went to school um Got a Bachelor of Fine Arts graphic in Graphic Design. And the way I described that was um, Bachelor of Fine Arts gives you art history. I think it's about five classes. And then they teach you art and color theory and perfect, uh, technique, um, both in typography and for layout and that kind of thing. Now, um, back then, YouTube wasn't that big of a thing. Um, we're talking about 2004 was when I graduated. So there was no alternatives that I knew of to learning the field, but I knew what I wanted to do. And this was during the time where our generation was told you need a a professional degree to make it anywhere in the professional field. And you'll find that a lot of jobs back then required um, a bachelor's degree just to even talk to them. Yeah, and and obviously that has changed considerably in the last probably five, ten years. Um, I personally am, I did not go to school for design. I actually went to school for something else. Um, Did not finish that degree. Basically got a job at a print shop and worked my way into pre-press. And the way that I learned was by taking files that we got in at this print shop, tearing them apart, finding out what was wrong with them, fixing them. And then that actually taught me how to design for print so that those problems wouldn't happen to me. So my whole thing is I, I am what I consider self-taught. Um, I worked on the job, learned on the job for almost 15 years. Eventually did go out on my own and started my own business. But everything I learned was from actually 
dealing with files that were being sent into a print shop and dealing with the issues and having to explain to a designer, hey, you need to think about this or you need to fix this or you need to use CMYK and not RGB. You need to think about bleeds, all the things that specifically had to do with print design. So that's why when I started my business, it was with print design. Now, I have learned how to design for other mediums like digital um, wide format, things like that, which is still print, but different type. I've learned how to do that just by teaching myself how to do it. And I, I am a big proponent of if you go to school for design, you should spend at least a year in a print shop to get that not only real world experience, but also the production experience, what it's like to be in a production environment. And how somebody comes to you and says, I need a business card file fixed and I need it in an hour, not right. I need it in a week. So I, that's, that's my background. I started in print shops, basically learned hands-on and taught myself how to do it. it. I say taught myself, but obviously I worked with about 10 other pre-press people, some of them at different levels of experience, and they taught me things. So I, I think... That, that, all right, so that's where I came from. I, I have a lot of opinions about school and and the difference between the two. It is interesting that this, this discussion comes up quite a bit. It comes up all the time on different forums, on different podcasts. And I think part of that is because things have changed so much, you no longer go – you definitely go, don't go to a pre-press job and say, I have a design degree. Like That doesn't matter anymore. But you might go to a design agency and they may want to see that you have that degree. But at the same time, if you have 15, 20 years of running your own business or, or designing for another design agency, that degree may not matter anymore because it's about how good are you at, at what's your skill level. People only care about your GPA if they, if they require a design degree. They only care about your GPA pretty much at your first job. After that, uh, it's years of experience that's going to matter, and your book. Um, and just to be on, just to be frank, this is not me bashing my degree. I, I enjoyed my years in school. What do, what I don't enjoy is paying that debt fifteen years later. It takes a good ten years to make any money in this this field. At least that's my experience. Not everyone's coming out of school um, making equivalent of what they paid out per year for schooling. Yeah, and I think that's and that's not just design. It's not just art school. I mean, that that's happening to to kids in all kinds of degrees, in all kinds of schools that they're spending all of this money and coming out, and then they're having one having trouble finding a job. Two, they're not finding a job that's paying them what they should get paid. And like you said, and then they're in this debt. And we have, unfortunately, in America, we have this idea that debt is good. I mean, the the comment that there's good debt is complete BS. There's no such thing as good debt. Right. So I, I think kids are spending a lot of money to go to school. They're still, while the the business sector has kind of changed a little bit, I think there's still a mentality on the parental side, on the family side that says, you must go to school, you must get a degree. That's the only way to do this. And, and I think part of that is because that generation is still not changing but it's good to see on the business side that some some of that stuff is changing that they're not expecting 
everyone to have a degree. They may have two designers come in with portfolios that are matching. And that's, I think, surprising. And a lot more agencies are seeing that. Right. And it's interesting that, you know, this past week we had um, someone reach out to us to who doesn't have a degree in design, but is really just getting started. And I'm thinking this is kind of our target audience for Rookie. Um, the This person may join us for a podcast at some point, um, but he's getting started and learning the field of design, you know, how to get stuff printed on shirts was the base question. And then there was a lot of professional practice questions. And then on top of that, there's technique. Now, big picture for me, I want to help teach people a, a broad spectrum of issues based off my own experiences. I want to do uh, some of these teaching things. In fact, I'm thinking of getting a license to Camtasia so that we can host some of that content. You know, how to use pen tool in Illustrator, how to do basic layout, how to do variable data in some of these programs, because those are the things that I need to myself refresh on sometimes. So what yeah, do you think I of that? I think that's a great idea, and I think you're right. After 170 episodes, we're trying, finally figuring out who our audience is. <laughs> but but I think part of that is we've gone back and forth where we love communicating with experienced designers, like our interview last week with Tawny. She's a very experienced designer, and it was a great conversation. It's a lot of fun, but she's teaching as well with her book – the younger designers or even designers that have some experience but are having trouble getting clients. So she's even looking a little bit backwards at the people coming up behind her. And I think that's that's always the sign of a good mentor is somebody that looks back and says, hey, okay, I got to this point. Now let's talk about how I can help you get to that same point. These are the struggles I went through. These are the holes that I fell into so that you don't fall into those same holes. Now, at the same time, I completely understand why experienced designers get frustrated by inexperienced designers because you and I go in to bid a project and somebody that's inexperienced comes in and bids that project and undercuts us. That's extremely frustrating. Now, there's a whole mentality. We don't want those clients. If they're going for the cheaper bid, we don't want those clients. I get that. But it is a frustration when you have all these years of experience and somebody comes in and does that. But you have to remember you started there too. And, and whether you went to school or whether you are self-taught, you didn't know everything when you came out of school. I could tell you that right now because that's one of my biggest frustrations is they teach digital design, but they do not teach print design. And the number of designers that I talk to that come out of school and are like, what is a bleed? I, I just fall out of my chair because that is one of the biggest things you should know when it comes to print design. So you don't know everything when you come out of school. You don't know everything when you're self-taught either. That's the whole idea of continuing to learn, which is a really important process to continue to do that, To because things change as well. The tools we use, the programs we use, they change constantly. So there's always a better way of doing things. And that's what I always, back to Photoshop, I always laugh about Photoshop. I'm like, well, how do you do this? And you look and there's like five different ways to do it. And I'm like, what? But what it is, is 
there isn't just one perfect way to do things. That's what makes the creative field so exciting is you could find a different way to solve that problem or make that design happen. So you don't know everything. So it's important not to let that get to you and get frustrated when you're basically going uh, in a bidding war with a designer that has less experience. Just remember, you used to be there. And also remember, if your client is going based on price and not your knowledge level or your experience level, that may not be the client you want anyway. But also, if you see something like what you're talking about, reach out to that person, be a mentor, and teach them about the holes that you fell in so that they don't fall in those holes. Right. We're all going to start from a different experience. So the, the person that reached out to us is already a professional in another field. And what I was talking to him about, we spent an hour on the phone. Um, I was trying to draw parallels with his experiences running his own business and will draw parallels to his graphic design. He's a sole proprietor, and I mentioned the tax laws and stuff like that, the Schedule C and all your expenses and that kind of thing. Then we found the where the gaps were, you know, how to use some of these vector programs, which ones to follow up with, and also realized there are five different ways to do five different things. <laughs> no one way is correct. I worked with a designer at my last job who came from the same school that I came from, and I could see not only the, just the same habits as what we were taught, but even the same styles. Um, and so I'm not going to knock everyone's experience. What I do applaud is people like my brother, who only went and they got an associate's degree and then started working his way up through print companies, and now he's working in prepress. He probably spent about 8000 on his degree because he went to a state school and they got a two-year program. But he's making what I was making after 12 years in the field. He's now making that after three years in the field. And yeah, and that, I think that's, that's the difference. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I that's think that's awesome. the difference now is that even if you have an associate's degree and you haven't spent the huge amount of money. Now, let me finish that thought first. If you haven't spent that money, you can work your way up and get that experience and, and advance your career. However... I do have friends who specifically went to art school to work in the movie field. One individual isn't doing that anymore. He's decided to do a different career path. So unfortunately, he has some major expenses when it comes to what he paid for art school. The other individual is still doing movies and is an animator and is making really good money. But he and I joke all the time that the reason he makes really good money is because they know how much they have to pay to pay his debt. He's Fair talked enough. to me about the fact that it would be hard for him to get into his field self-taught. He said there is definitely a network connection. There is a – for example, he did an internship at a studio and recently just finished a contract with that studio – he knows that if he hadn't done that internship, his name would not even be on their radar when it comes to contracts. So there is there is definitely certain fields, certain directions that going to school, going to certain schools does make a difference because we always talk about networking and it's who you know. Business is all about who you know, whether you work for somebody or whether you're working for yourself, it's who you know. The reason you get a job is very rare. If it's, a, if it's a minimum wage job, yeah, you might have walked in the door, handed somebody a resume and said, hey, I want a job. But if it is a mid to higher level job, 
it's very rare that you're going to go and put an application into a random job posting and get that job. It is going to be, hey, so-and-so works there. Can you hand the HR department my resume and give them a good word? That that makes a big difference. So there are certain fields that I think going to school does make a difference. And, and unfortunately, spending that money can make a difference. Now, the other thing is a whole lot of people go to the art school. There are not that many jobs. So if you have 200 people uh, – that's small. But say you have 200 people that went and graduate at the same time. Unfortunately, there may not be 200 jobs in that field. And again, right. that, that, yeah, location that's tough. And, um, yeah, we were graduating maybe uh, 60 uh, graphic designers out of my school. Um, and that was in Boston. So the number of jobs in Boston is higher because it is a creative industry hub. Um, but in other areas, you're not going to find that. Um, now the interesting thing is, so we have these issues with learning, being experienced, being educated. Question is, what are we going to do about it as a field, as individuals? Myself, my, my goal is to help educate people online, whether it's through conversations like I did this past week or creating video and content that is going to help educate people through subscription or, or sharing stuff freely on YouTube or even just uh, going to a local uh, edu adult education center and teaching a class. Actually, that's a great idea. I may look into that. <laughs> I just thought of that one. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there are people out there that are recognizing the change in the industry, recognizing the change, or I should say recognizing the flaws in the education system and a perfect example of that is Chase Jarvis, and I know I've talked about his Creative Live before. He built Creative Live because he saw what was happening to photographers that were spending all this money to go to school, coming out and weren't getting jobs or getting paid as much to pay off those bills. So he said, why can't I – you still have to pay for his service, but why can't I come up with a system where somebody pays me – $100 for a class, and that's what they pay for. Now, he has – I think they just recently launched Unlimited, so you can watch all of their courses for a monthly fee. But his idea was instead of spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a class, you spend $100 on a class, and you learn what you specifically want to learn. And that way you can hone your skill set in the direction you want to. For example, like if you want to be a wedding photographer, you can take the classes that he has on wedding photography and on business and how to deal with the business side of things. So he realized that the system's broken. I need to come up with something that works better. And he's been extremely successful with it. And, and it's done really, really well. It's growing constantly. He's got some awesome teachers that come in and teach. And there are people that are Real world application people. They're not people that are quote unquote teachers, nothing wrong with teachers, but they're people that are in the field doing it every day. That is a little bit of an issue that I even had with high school, but I also had a problem with college when I see teachers telling designers how to design when they haven't done a design project out in the real world in 20 years. Right. Like I have a problem with that. So outside of just doing the podcast and doing, um, uh, you know, sharing videos of how to do things, uh, 
you have an intern, don't you? Yeah, I do. He actually approached me, again, to somebody else that I knew. Um, his father found out that I was a designer, and he was graduating, and he's working in, I guess I would say, the mental health field as an a hands-on person. I don't know. He's not a nurse. Not, but not he, an orderly, right? Yeah, he's basically, yeah. So he's yeah. doing that, and he makes decent money, but he said, you know, I miss the creative side, and so I'd love to find a way that I could do the creative side but still obviously keep my job to pay my bills and, and advance what I'm trying to do. And he's thought about starting his own business for the design field, and he's doing it very slowly because he has it as a side hustle. So I said, hey, you know, I've got small projects I can work with you on. I've got the newspaper that you can help me with and things like that. So he comes in. I probably see him one or two days a week for a couple hours. And the best part is he doesn't even have to come see me. Like I can give him projects online and say, hey, you know, I need help with this. So he's he's a digital intern as much as he's an intern in person. Um I think he's actually I, I haven't talked to him about it yet, but I think he's actually moving soon. So he'll still be an intern, I guess, but he's gonna be more of maybe a contractor at that point because I could still kick him some work here and there and say, Hey, can you help me with this? or hey, can you give me a logo design concept or something like that? But yeah, he he made the conscious effort to seek me out and saw me as a solopreneur that was a business owner that was also a creative. So he wanted to learn, okay, how do you handle clients? How do you handle the everyday, day-to-day stuff? How do you deal with the business side of things and stuff like that? So he sought me out, and I thought that was interesting. I wasn't really looking for an intern, but I said it's a great opportunity for me to get some help, and it's also a great opportunity for me to mentor him, and it's worked out really well. And that also, you know, uh, raises a thought in my mind that, you know, graphic design is a good side hustle. It's a yep. good way to get something started that can generate an income. Same thing with the guy I was talking to. He's He wants to do design as basically his second career because a lot of people need two jobs these days and they want a creative outlet that they can actually enjoy. Holy Carp Design started as my side hustle because I was doing design full time for someone else. Um and who am I to say, no, you need a license to do this or you need an education to do this? I'd rather say, here, let me help you learn the field so that we maybe even use your services and pay you to do it. God forbid, right? Yeah. Uh, those yeah. Un- unpaid internships aren't something I support, really. Um, well, I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah I mean, my intern is paid when he does work for me. So. Right. It, slave labor is, you know, the way I was um treated as an intern uh not that i didn't i loved the internship i had but it was all for credit for course credit and um i paid to be there basically <laughs> yeah that that is so. tough that is definitely tough right but yeah there's there's great i mean you could do online courses another one is lynda.com is a very big online learning hub there's there's tons of other ones out there um, so there's that avenue. There's the avenue of, like I said, I think everybody that comes out of school that went to school for design should spend a year in a print shop to get a print shop, a sign shop, something a wide format shop to get an idea of what it's like to actually be in a production environment and deal with how that works. And then 
you can also do the internships where you say, okay, I'm done with school or I'm, I'm in my last couple of years of school and I want to go and, and see what it's like to work in that real world environment. I think that's the part that I think some of the creative fields fall short with that when it comes to school. They don't push that internship. Like I said, my buddy who went and worked at that studio, that's what helped him get a contract there later. So that internship was huge for him. I think a lot of schools are falling short with that. So they're not getting the real world practical experience. Cause I think that's something that I see a lot of print designers specifically that come out and say, okay, I can design a brochure, but they don't understand what it really takes to do that. Now, yeah, with, and with all of this said, there are things that I don't have that you have. For example, art history. Right. I don't have the art history other than what I've learned from videos, reading online, reading books, things like that. I kind of wish there was more of that available for me to take. There doesn't seem to be as much of that because obviously that's not real world application type of stuff. That's trends, knowing how things were done before, figuring out how we – because we all know trends repeat themselves. And I wish I had more history of design, history of art. The other one I think that, that I can learn more about is typography, understanding typography better. And Future does a great job with that on YouTube. And I've watched a lot of his stuff and learned a lot of stuff in that area. So there are areas that I feel like I missed out on by not going to school. I don't think I missed much when it comes to portfolio reviews because I have heard horror stories from almost any designer I talk to about how professors have made people cry, how pe professors have belittled people. And I don't understand that mentality when it comes to teacher. But I, I'm glad I missed that part. But there are definitely some holes where I'm still trying to figure out if I can find a, maybe find an art history class at a community college and just take that one class. So there, there's some things that I did miss by not going to school. The point is, though, you are now educated enough to know what you don't know. And there's a word for that. I actually don't remember that word, but it's not like you're approaching this blind. You actually know where your gaps are and you know what, how to fix that. Um, and I say, check YouTube. There's enough 10 minute clips and you, you can just do a deep, deep, as deep a dive as you want. All this being said, um, and just another thought for an opportunity. If I was a young designer, if I had an associate's or if I had the learnings of someone that was one or two years in the field, I would probably start talking to the people that are more aged in our field because they have experience that even you and I can't give, historical experience, and they're going to give you that art history as well as experience that from the past that you can modernize. Not only can this partnership help benefit you in your career, but as these people start looking to retire, you may have a vehicle to help grow your business because the clients may pass on to you or at some point. This is true of any field that you do. If you partner with someone that is, you know, moving on or eventually retiring, you may be able to buy out that business. Just yeah, another that, thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just, the bookkeeper in our B&I group just got up and did her uh, presentation and she said the only reason she's in business is because she's connected with two other bookkeepers that are right at that 
opportune time to retire and they're ready to pass clients on to her. And she said, it's basically, I didn't have to market. They're handing me clients left and right because they're getting ready to retire. So yeah, she talked about that. That's a really good point. One of the projects that came my way this week was someone who was desperate to open a Quirk 9 file and convert it down to a Quirk 4 file because they're the person that runs the business only has Quirk uh, 6 and can work in 6 or earlier. And I, I scrambled to try and help them through a variety of means, but I wasn't able to open that file. So ultimately, they were hustling around. They got a pre-press department to help them out, but it turns out they have to rebuild the file, and they're not content with that. They said, going forward, can you help us rebuild this file? So, and someone who's you know not as up to date with using InDesign and all that, I may have just won a client just based off that experience. That's or, awesome. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So I, so basically, the short of it is Carl went to school. I did not. I don't have a problem with people that decide they want to go to school. I we think both have good businesses. Right. And, and we're both what I would consider successful with what we do. I think there is no right answer. And I think that's what's that's why this is such a debated topic, because there are people on both sides. There's people in the middle. There is no right answer when it comes to this. Just be aware that there are other options to, to going to school. I think, like I said, I wish I had taken certain courses. I wish I had maybe done an associate's degree and then moved on from there. I didn't. I have to figure out what to do from there, and, I, and I'm working on that. However, it is expensive. The education system is definitely broken right now. They're charging way too much money for these kids to go to school, to come out, to hope to have a job. And I think that has changed where it used to be you went to school, you almost were guaranteed a job. That is not the case anymore, and you need to keep that in mind. But again, there is no right answer. It, it is not right to say you have to go to school. It's not right to say you, you don't have to go to school. It's really a personal choice what you want to do. So I, I think it, we'll, we'll put a link to the discussion on Resourceful Designer so that if people want to see what that discussion was like, you can go and, and read that as well. So I think that's going to end the conversation on school versus School of Hard Knocks. Let's jump into recommendations. What do you have this week? All right, so I'm working on my uh, care packs for people staying at my wedding, and I came across this great little uh, nip that uh, an older gentleman recommended. He said it was really good on ice cream. So if you have vanilla ice cream, I recommend buying a couple nips of this. It's Dr. McGillicuddy's Intense Butterscotch Liqueur. Um, <laughs> I've tried it, uh, only only one of the nips, um, and it's freaking amazing. You <laughs> If you're going to drink it straight, uh, water it down, definitely, uh, over ice or with a little dish on water, but I really, really want to try this with some ice cream. I was going to say, that sounds like it'd be really good. Yeah. And actually, let me see the bottle. The bottle is pretty interesting. It's got like an old style design yeah. to it, old font style and stuff. McGillicuddy's is pretty well known, but they've got this like almost like a medicine bottle type of layout. <laughs> uh and it's like world famous 19 or 1865, something like that. Um, huh. And they're using a whole bunch of fonts. It looks like an old poster. 
you could probably yeah. find what the style is online. And, you know, if you're looking for art history, look up something like this and learn about that style. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes and just kind of, I'll put a picture too so you can see the picture of the bottle. I'm actually, I, I told you I was going to, I had what my recommendation was, but as we were talking, I kind of want to change my recommendation. I'll still talk about the other one in a minute. Graphic Means is a movie about the print industry and how it changed. And it, and I saw it when I went to Atlanta and I might've recommended it already a few episodes ago, but it goes to the whole history thing that I was talking about. It basically is about going from actually setting letters to print to how the computers change things and how they came up with this way of actually having like certain tapes they were almost like film that would indicate what letter needed to be printed and and how they only had a limited font set and how that advanced and how Photoshop came about and how much of a big change that was for font creation and font use and stuff like that. So I'll put a link. It, it is a, a paid movie and they do showings all over the country. So you may be able to find a showing that's near you. And a lot of times when they do that showing, they'll actually have somebody that was in the film, plus usually the director is there. And it's neat to talk to them afterwards and say, hey, you know, I have this question about this or how how did this work and what changed? I mean, they even get into the fact that when they had fonts, they had font books, not font book like in the program, but like font book is in an actual physical book that you had to look through. And it had the limited fonts, and obviously that has grown tremendously at since we've gotten the, the age of the computers and stuff. So it was neat because it goes from literally setting letters in wood and metal to where we are now with computers and how much easier it is and how much – they even talk about how fonts became cleaner as technology got better. And so typefaces could become more – abstract because they didn't have to be as blocky because the pixel ratio and stuff like that. So it's a really interesting film. And, and again, it's called graphic means and I'll put a link in the show notes. I've been, it was a really cool thing to see when I was at the uh, creative pro conference in Atlanta. So the other thing I want to talk about is we had Tawny on last week as an interview to talk about her book, client attraction mindset. It's a great guide. I highly recommend you check it out. You can find it at our website, EndeavorCreative.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. We actually had something to do in the last episode, and we haven't gotten that many people to do it. So I'm going to put it out there again this week. What you need to do is you need to go find the post on Facebook under Rookie Designer for episode 169. You need to make sure that you like our Rookie Designer page. And you need to share that post. And if you share that post, you can win one of three copies of her book, which is a $47 value. So if you get a chance, please go find that episode link or that episode post in Facebook under Rookie Designer. Make sure you like our page and make sure you share it and you could win one of the copies of the book. So I just wanted to remind people about that. Not to mention, definitely go check it out. It's an awesome book. We both are working with it. We really enjoy working with it. And Tawny is a great person. So please go check that out. So you got anything else this week? 
Uh, that's about it. Alright, cool. So remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. Mm-hmm.